I love that song. That song in many ways has never rung more true for me or maybe for us as a church, as the church, than it does right now. The world we live in is far from ideal. The circumstances can seem overwhelming and consuming. And all of us are after something, after something different, after something more. And we're all holding on to things to try and fill the needs that are consuming us on a daily basis. In the world today, as I'm having conversations with people and even some articles that I read last week, it seems to be there's two things that are common threads, emotions that everyone is experiencing. Confusion and exhaustion. Everybody's tired and overwhelmed. We're tired of the life of masks in the distance. We're tired of the homeschooling that moved into a summer and is now moving into distance learning for the fall. We're tired of no activities with the kids or sports to watch. We're tired that the world is so different than anything we could have imagined in this world. And we're confused. It seems like the information that we get on a daily basis is constantly changing and shifting. It seems that whatever we hear is constantly creating lines being drawn and battles being waged and positions being taken that are waging things apart. And all of that creates this kind of welling anger within each one of us. There seems to be this low-grade undercurrent of anger. I'm angry. You're angry. We're all angry about something. Just this past week, uh, I was having some conversations with not just the teams, people in the church, people outside of the church, friends, even people in our life group, and it seems to be anger is something that's growing because of this confusion and exhaustion. Seems like it's getting overwhelming, so we want to lash out in a way to just try and control something, and we feel out of control. So just this week at our life group, someone shared who will remain nameless that just maybe an Apple TV remote got thrown across the room in their house, putting a little mark in the wall. I had to share that that wasn't the first time that I'd heard that story because I threw a TV remote about five years ago, just as the anger and frustration of the season was starting to overwhelm me. Maybe you have some marks in your walls from TV remotes. I don't know. But either way, anger is something that's starting to grow in each of us. And this thread of anger we're starting to see seep into the homes and the relationships, the workplaces, the teams that we are part of, even the churches, certainly the country, as we see people respond and react to each other. And nobody wants this. Nobody wants this undercurrent of anger. We want kindness and hope. We want to be people of joy and hope and love and patience. And we want to receive that from others around us. And we're all desperate to not just be that, but someone to lead us to that, to show up and embody that, someone to transcend the circumstances that exist in life, to bring peace and to make peace. What if that someone is you? What if that someone is me? What if that's the decision that we make today to decide that we are going to be the peacemakers that step into that confused, exhausted, tired, angry space of this world and culture and bring peace? That song, All That I'm After, really is the key. It's the prayer that we sing and the prayer that we want to live out. And it's incredibly challenging to live out wholeheartedly because all of us are holding on to things that we think are going to give us life, but they don't. All of us are holding on maybe even to some anger 
that we need to let go of, to find the hope and the love and most importantly, the peace that God wants to bring to us and that he wants us to bring into this world. And so today, I believe, as we continue the series, I have decided we're going to choose to be peacemakers. We're going to receive a clear invitation and understanding of what that looks like. So the question I think God is going to ask you is, are you willing? Are you willing to decide to be a peacemaker? So as we get started today, I just want to invite you, if you would, just to pray with me. Wherever you're at, if you would just close your eyes. And Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to every single one of us. I believe that you are giving us a beautiful invitation into a deeper understanding of who you are. And in that, God, you transform us that we might transform the world around us. I know that today you're gonna give us a clear picture of your love and your grace and your mercy for us, the forgiveness that you extend, the peace that you bring to us through Jesus. And in that, God, that you want to empower us to be peacemakers in this world around us. So help us to just listen carefully and to live honestly with you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you guys, if you would, to grab your Bibles with me. Some of you guys probably have them. Some of you have technology. Some of you may need to just push pause and go grab it. Uh, But you're going to want to look at God's Word as you read it. You might want to circle some things, underline some things. This is a rich passage that I believe God is going to speak some things to you that you're going to want to remember and hold on to. As you're flipping there, one of the things we have to remember is that Paul has already covered 11 chapters in Romans. And the first 11 chapters are all about God's love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace that's extended to every single one of us through Jesus. He talks about the gift and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to pay for our sin and the redemption that's offered, the relationship that is restored with him. So in that beautiful relationship and that restoration, he kind of turns the page now in Romans 12. And he starts to talk about in light of that relationship, in light of God's gift, in light of his mercy, in light of his justice, in light of his grace, how should we live as Christians, as followers of Jesus? So Romans 12, we're going to look at verses 14 through 21. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And clearly we see the problem with being a peacemaker is that last word of verse 14, everyone. The problem with being a peacemaker is people. People hurt people. We understand this. We know this. It's what happens as we walk through life. We know that them, the others, those ordinary people that do damage in our life, that hurt our feelings, Sometimes it's the people closest to us. Sometimes it's the people farthest away from us that we disagree with. We don't understand their positions. And they hurt us with the choices they make or the choices they don't make. But people hurt us. If they would just do what we want, if they would wear what we want, if they would get the degrees that we want, if they would do the jobs that we want, if they would just listen to us, those people, the world would go so much better, wouldn't it? 
The problem with peacemaking is people. And it's easy to see this list that Paul goes through here as a prescriptive thing that if somehow we can manage this list, everything will be okay. At least that's the way I read it, as a good recovering legalistic Pharisee that wants to check the boxes and do everything right. But it seems almost impossible. I mean, you just look at some of the don'ts that he has here. He says, don't curse others. Don't be proud. Don't repay evil with evil. And then he says, do some things. Do bless others. Do pray for those who persecute you. Be happy and rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, with humility and with honor. And the problem is there's no way we could accomplish all of that on our own strength or power. I mean, we might be able to resist some of the don'ts for a little bit. We might be able to hold our tongue and bite our tongue and not curse or lash out at people. We might be able to withhold vengeance and justice and not repay evil for evil. But it's way harder to live out that long list of do's. I mean, when was the last time you actually prayed for and blessed someone who hurt you? When was the last time you prayed for and blessed your enemy? The person that thinks the most different than you, that believes things totally unlike you. That's the call here, to bless them, meaning to want the best for them and to pray for them, meaning that you, you long for God to intervene in their life and bless them. You want what's best for them, God's best for them, that things would go well for them. When was the last time you prayed that? For me, one of the greatest challenges of this too is verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Oftentimes with the people that I disagree with, that I don't like, that have hurt me, I want to flip those two around. I tend to weep when they rejoice. When things are going well for them, there's a little jealousy or something that wells up within me, sort of this unjust spirit that's like, how can that happen? Or maybe I'll just even rejoice when they're weeping. They deserve it. Have you ever thought that? They deserve what's coming to them. They should get that. And see, that just reveals our hearts because we see that the problem with being a peacemaker isn't just about other people, it's also about us. It's about our own hearts. It's about the way we think about other people. It's about the way we think about ourselves. It's about the prideful spirit that wells up and thinks that we have to take everything into our own hands and manage and control it. The problem with being a peacemaker isn't just others, it's us as well. It's our hearts, it's our selfishness and desire to control, to control people, to control outcomes, to control the world. And when it feels out of control, what happens? We get angry. We start to, to well up in anger and lash out at one another. We wanna grab a hold and squeeze, especially the people that have done things to hurt us. We wanna take hold of them, bring justice. We want to repay evil for evil. You see, people create pain. Others create pain. You and I create pain in each other's lives. There are things in our life as we look back at our stories that were said to us, lies that got embedded and rooted deep in us about our identity, things that you should, you'll never, you can't. And those things took root in our soul. We heard them, we believed them, we've said them to each other. We've sensed betrayal and rejection in our lives. We felt abandoned 
and afraid, alone and isolated, pushed away from people at times. And we've lived in that. And the problem with that is all of it creates a sense of hurt, which builds sadness. And if left unchecked, it'll turn into anger. That anger becomes rage. All of a sudden, we just want justice and we want it in our own hands. And we know that anger creates division. It creates distance. It's what happens when that happens. And that's what we see happening, like I said, in homes, in relationships, in families, in teams, certainly even in churches, in our own country. That sense of anger and bitterness creating division and divide. Because the problem with being a peacemaker is people and the damage that we do to one another. Anger burns away any hope of being a peacemaker. Anger burns away any hope of being a peacemaker. I got to see that lived out this week as in my youngest son, Tate. He had been wrestling for a few days. He just wasn't himself. He seemed sad, he seemed down, but he seemed angry. And he'd lash out at his mom or he'd lash out at me. And finally, one night, we just said, hey, let's take a walk. So we were taking a walk with him and over time, he began to unpack just really what had happened. And there was a relationship he had with a friend where he felt betrayed. He felt abandoned, he felt pushed aside. It didn't go the way he thought and he was angry. And as he told the story, you could just see him get red and angry and he said, Dad, I just wanna hit something. I just wanna punch the wall. And we talked about that. And I said, it's confusing, isn't it? You ever wanted to punch a wall? You ever get angry like that? Want to just lash out and yell, just get red, throw a remote across the room? So what do we do? How are we a peacemaker when the problem is people? And Paul shows us as we continue in verse 19. It says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The pathway to being a peacemaker is to let it go to leave it with God, and to do good. The pathway to being a peacemaker, to let it go, leave it with God, and do good. It says, leave that to the righteous anger of God. So what's that? I don't know. You have your own that. I don't know what the circumstances are that hurt you, that created a sense of anger. I don't know the person or the face that comes to your mind when you start to feel angry, but that is what you have to let go of and leave it with God so that you can walk into being a peacemaker. Oftentimes, we just wanna rub our hands together. We wanna say, ah, oh, good, God's gonna get this person. His justice is going to rain down. I've read those Old Testament stories. I'm expecting lightning bolts and fire. This should be a great show. But we know, right? That's the spirit of Jonah and Nineveh. Went to go sit on a hill and watch just as the city burned. But what happened? The people repented and God relented. His forgiveness and grace and mercy was for everyone. But we want to sit back and see God do 
devastating things in the lives of our enemies. But that's not what he's saying here. What Paul is saying here is that God is just. Justice is his alone. He's quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. And he's saying anyone or anything that devalues, defaces, defiles God and his glory and his holiness is going to bring on the justice of God. It receives his justice. That's why Paul had spent 11 chapters of Romans explaining God's love and mercy because of his justice. He cannot be close to sin. He cannot be close to the brokenness and damage that we create on one another. He cannot be close to the anger that separates us from him. So he has to deal with it. That's why he sent Jesus as a gift of justice to take away that sin and the punishment that we deserved. Justice is his. Everything that creates brokenness, everything that defaces and defiles and devalues God and his glory and the beauty of everything he designed, everything will receive his justice. And we see that, that Jesus is the gift of peace. Isaiah 9 said that he was coming to be the prince of peace. Ephesians 2 says he is our peace that unifies us with God and even with one another in him. You see, the pathway to becoming a peacemaker is through Jesus, and it begins with letting it go, letting go of the anger, letting go of the bitterness, letting go of the rage, letting go of the division that you're holding so tightly to and wanting to bring justice on yourself, letting it go and believing that justice is God's, that he will deal with it. He sees it, and he will deal with it. I know Every single one of us, and I know you, you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't know my story. You don't know the pain that I've gone through. You don't know how I've been wronged. And you're right, I don't. But I do know, I do know that God sees you. I do know that he sees every moment of your life and it pains him for whatever pain you've experienced at the hands of other people. And he will bring justice. And if The temptation would be for us to want to take it into our own hands, to see that we've been wronged. And some with deep conviction say, we're going to manage this on our own. And I'm going to take care of this person. And I'm going to hold them accountable. And I'm going to fight for justice. And I'm going to be the one to bring it into the story. But the problem is when we're holding tightly to it, God can't take it. God can't bring his justice if you're seeking to bring yours, which is why the pathway to being a peacemaker is to let it go. It's to set it down and to step back. And here's what I can promise you. It will not sit there. God in his love and in his grace and in his mercy will pick it up and he will make sure that justice is done that it is brought to that circumstance, that it is brought into that moment so that you don't have to carry that weight anymore in your life. God will take care of it. It gives him a chance. Verse 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The pathway to being a peacemaker, let it go. Let God pick it up and do good. And we see that. That's the life that 
Jesus lived. That's the example that he gave. That's what he invites us to walk into, to trust in God's justice and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the cross and doing good. And what does it mean to do good? Well, it's Yes, that list that Paul wrote, but it's even more comprehensive than that because it begins with our hearts. It begins with letting it go and extending forgiveness. It's giving grace and extending mercy. It's being kind and loving. It's serving one another. It's bringing those things that we long for into the world, patience and grace and hope and peace and kindness and love and all of those things into this world. And here's the thing, just by us being peacemakers, by choosing to let go of our anger and let go of the circumstances that demand justice in our lives and leave them to God and to choose to do good, that just because it transforms us, that doesn't mean it's gonna transform the people around us. We see this in the life of Jesus. We see this as he was hanging on the cross and one thief chose to take hold of the life that Jesus was offering and one thief totally denied it. We see it as Jesus was going through his life and the Pharisees were constantly scoffing at him and trying to disprove who he was and catch him in lies. But yet people like a Roman centurion guard at the time were able to see who Jesus truly was. A rich man who couldn't grasp who Jesus was chose to hold on to everything he owned in this world instead of taking hold of the life that Jesus was offering. Just because we choose to let go and leave justice to God and do good. It may not change others, but it will always change us. It will always change our heart. It will always change our life. It will always bring the kind of life that God offers and Jesus promises to us every single time. Remember that walk with Tate? Remember the circumstances of betrayal and abandonment and isolation that, that he felt? Remember the anger that welled up and how he just wanted to hit something? As we talked and walked, I just started asking questions. I said, Tate, what do you think that's gonna do if you punch a wall? It's probably gonna break your hand and you'll have to get a cast and you'll be out of sports or whatever else for a few months. You'll probably feel terrible every night about it. Then I'll have to fix the wall, which will be a real bummer. It's not gonna change anything and it's probably gonna make things worse. And it's not gonna do anything in your relationship with your friend. What do you really wanna see happen? And what's really happening in you? You see, anger is never the primary emotion. It's always something underneath it. So I said, Tate, I know you feel angry, but why are you sad? What are you sad about? Where is there hurt from your friend? And he began to think, and as he began to share and talk about those feelings of sadness and hurt, you could see the anger kind of melt away. And tears began to round down his face. My big 16-year-old son, just weeping. And it was melting the anger away and getting to the core of the hurt and the pain and the sadness. And what he was really doing in that moment, he was letting it go. He was taking the anger and he was setting it down. And he was believing that God was gonna bring justice, that he was gonna make it right, that he didn't need to hold on or bring any pain or punishment into his life or his friend's life. And he was letting it go. 
And in that then, he chose to do good. He chose to forgive. We prayed, and it changed his whole spirit. He slept. The 16-year-old Tate that I know and love kind of returned. The anger, the redness just disappeared, and it's been gone. And that's what happens when we choose to be peacemakers. We let it go, and we choose to do good. May not change anyone around us, but it will change us. And over time, it will change the world. So what about you? As you listen to God speak to you today through his word, are you ready to be a peacemaker? Are you willing to decide that that's the path that you're going to choose? Because it really is pretty simple. Maybe just identify in your own life if there's kind of a low-grade anger, a burn for someone or something. And just imagine taking hold of that and just letting it go. And like I said, you're, it's not just going to sit there. You're letting it go so that God can take it and that he can bring justice. And then what would it look like for you to choose to not just let it go, but to do good? To do good towards that person. Extend forgiveness or grace or mercy. To do good towards others around you. To bring a sense of unity. Maybe to even practically grab your phone and send a text or an email or make a phone call that you've been needing to make. What would it look like for you to be a peacemaker? to let it go, and to do good. Let me pray as we close. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you chose us, that you loved us before we ever knew you existed, and you had already extended your grace and your kindness and your peace through your son Jesus to every single one of us. Thank you for the way that you speak and lead and guide, and I believe that you've been speaking to every single one of us today. And so I pray that as you shine your light into our lives, that we would be willing to, to allow you to speak and reveal the places where we're holding on to anger, we're holding on to justice. And God, that we would choose to be the peacemakers that you call us to be, that we would decide to let that go and give it to you. And that, God, we would choose to step into the good that you call us to, to extend the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and the kindness towards one another, to send the text or the email or make the phone call that you're inviting us to make as we step out in love and grace and peace. Continue to speak to us as you build us into the people that you desire and created us to be, God. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.